A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing <laughs> works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, out there here we go with Dustin's vinyl and your host, Axel Rose and Slash. <laughs> Welcome to the show, baby. Woo. Oh yeah. Welcome to the show. What's up, Slash? How you doing, man? Hey, what's up? Just hanging. Hanging. Wow, man. You love to play that song. I think that's your favorite song. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Where's your top hat, man? It's in the uh, at the cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to say it was at your mom's house. <laughs> well, that's where the cleaners is. The cleaners oh, is, is at your mom's house. house. Yeah, you She's know, my I personal was, hat cleaner. I was reading your book, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you say a lot of bad shit about me in here, man. You say that I'm difficult to get to get along with. You think that's true? I'm difficult? Yeah, I was being pretty nice in that book. <laughs> Dude, I let you sleep on my mom's couch. <laughs> and all you did was check out my mom the whole time. You got a hot mom. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, you know, I tried to do it without you. How did, did you hear that album? What did you think of that album that we put out? No one heard that album. <laughs> We had like six guitars. Yeah, it took what, like thirteen years? Thirteen years, man. It's it's uh yeah, it was my masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> you proud of it? I am. It's uh we had uh we kind of did this thing where we took something that was kind of good and we just overproduced it and produced it and produced it and produced it until we called in another guy and then he produced it and produced it and then it was just yeah, it was good, man. You know, we might sell it to a commercial. <laughs> Bucky Fried Chicken wants to buy one of the riffs. Oh yeah, the buckethead the buckethead songs. The buckethead songs. <laughs> Today's a big day, you know. There's they're on Dustin's vinyl. They're celebrating Guns N' Roses' debut album, our album, Appetite for Destruction. Oh yeah, the good and, one. Uh, it is the good one, man. And uh, all the songs are great on that album. I'm very excited. And so, but what I like to do, I like to do random pulls. I like to pretend I'm Dustin Chapin as Axl Rose. <laughs> he's so cool. That guy is the cool. He's the Axl Rose of comedians. That guy is cool. And if I was doing his show, I would have a, my random pull today would be the debut album of Motorhead, which I think inspired our sound tremendously. And this is a 1977 release uh, Motorhead album. Uh, great album. Do you like this album, Slash? Are you into? Are you into? Yeah, we Motorhead? stole everything from that album. You stole. <laughs> <laughs> we did steal a lot, but you know what? We stole in the right way. Kind of like that new Van Weezer album. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I love this album. This album has a lot of great stuff on it. Um, the Vibrator, great song. Uh, you know, just White Line Fever. Just a really great rock and roll album. 
you know, it's just like Motorhead's not going to sell out. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no, you know, how come we kind of sold out on November rain, you know, Motorhead's <laughs> not doing that. You know? <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> Motorhead doing November Rain? <laughs> He's not going to be in a tuxedo on a piano. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. L- Lemmy had uh, more integrity for the, for the rock sound. <laughs> Motorhead but, and ACDC never did ballads. That's true. They never did. I think, um, yeah, there's some, there's some bluesy stuff that kind of doesn't sound ballady, but it sounds, you know, have a drink on me and that kind of stuff is, uh, you know, it's loungy. It, it separates from their songs. But I'm very excited today. I'm going to keep this wig on because I think it looks hot. I look like Michael Hayes uh, <laughs> big, uh, from the Freebirds. Do you remember wrestling? <laughs> you don't even know who that is. Why did no, you get I don't that? know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> the Freebirds, it was called? It was a, you know, it was, here's the deal. When metal music or rock and roll in general, was obviously huge in the 70s and 80s. And so a lot of the wrestlers tried to kind of like get on board with that kind of that fan base. And so there was this wrestling group and uh, there were three of their brothers and they were called the Freebirds and they're from Georgia. And they would come in and they had long hair and they had like the rebel flag and shit. And so they were kind of like the Leonard Skinner of wrestling. And they would always fight the Von Erics, who were kind of like the golden boys. And then they all committed suicide. So, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm Axel, so I got to eat, eat another M&M. See, that was me trying to be funny. I was just like, Axel's fat, so we're going to have him eat M&M's. <laughs> Don't ever get plastic surgery slash. It's a good thing you were always ugly because then you didn't have to do anything. You just covered your face with your hair. Stayed but me, same. I went crazy with the plastic surgery and it really fucked up my look. So yeah, don't ever do too that. Far. Too far. <laughs> we're going to start the show. We're going to bring in some, uh, you know, great guests here on Dustin's Vinyl slash Axel's slash day, whatever. So give it up. Let's do a little. What do you got, Slash? Play some music, man. What do you got? Here? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I'll just play something. Welcome to Dustin Pineapple! Yeah, with Jeffrey Paul and Adam Holtz, everybody. What's up? <laughs> That was almost as bad as Elon Musk doing sketches <laughs> on a Saturday Night Live. That's how bad that was. <laughs> At least for comedians doing sketches. You know, this is what happens if you don't write a sketch and you just like put on a wig. This is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good backdrop. You know? It is a good is, backdrop. I, I like that. Did it myself. You know? It's uh, If you look close, it's, I'm, I don't have the copyright, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah it's dope. <laughs> dope. I love it when Jeff says dope. <laughs> It's odd. It's so na- it's so natural coming from me. <laughs> I like this wig. He says things his kid says. I get it. That's, that's how you stay young. You just you say what and your we, kids say. That's right. We try. We, nope. We're appealing to a younger audience. We're young. Of course, not really. We're old and weird. This I don't think anybody in knows who Guns N' Roses is today. That's, that's, a, how, that's how young we're gonna change that. We're going to change it. Really, this show's going to change it. I yes. doubt it. Have you seen gonna... me? Have you looked at me? I don't think this show's changing anything. But Anthony's wearing sunglasses, and that's going to change everything. Is it? Okay. Yes. As I'm suffering from my allergies today. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you're young. Right. So you know how the, you, you're you a young know how the rock kids, and roll guy. You know how the kids are with allergies. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, we support Israel. Anyway, um, that's weird. That was that was a weird way to get a Jewish joke out there. All right. Okay, got weird. Okay, uh, so we're celebrating a great album today. Uh, I think this is the album of albums. You know, we we did a lot of debut albums for this month. We're trying to do the debut stuff. This is one of those albums that like. You know, it just from start to, to finish, it feels like it's just perfect. I was listening to it in the car. Listen to this. I was driving, listening to it in the car on Sunset Boulevard. And it was like today. <laughs> and it was the coolest thing ever. I was just like that's cranking it up, it. going down the strip. And it was like, you know, one of those, because that's kind of where all this stuff came from. You know, Welcome to Jungle and all that stuff. So it was, it was really cool. It was a good moment because I haven't had, I've never had that moment. So I've never listened to Guns N' Roses with the windows down in LA. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> But it's that's that kind of album, cool. man. It's fantastic. I mean, that's the most LA thing you could do. It is, and uh, and do heroin, which you know I didn't. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't have time for that, or I would have. <laughs> and I just got to eat M and M's because I'm fat, Axel. <laughs> so Jeff, take it away. All right, so let's talk about this, man. This is uh, when you said this is the album. This is the album. Appetite for Destruction, 1987. This is the biggest debut selling album uh, of all time. Number, you know, this was uh, a number one album on Billboard. Um, this album was the album that unseated Boston as the number one uh, debut album all, of all time. Uh, about, and that took place right about almost more than 10 years earlier. A uh, little bit about Guns N' Roses. You're right. Sunset Strip Band, you know, and who would be bands like that? That'd be bands like Motley Crue and Poison and Wasp. Uh, You're driving down this like over mile strip where you would have uh, hook is and and people doing heroin and and you would go to the the whiskey and the the Rainbow Room and the Roxy. And, you know, it, it, it was like back in the day, you know, Guns N' Roses was one of these bands. They had a rivalry going with Jane's Addiction at the time. And they they you were hoping to get signed, you know, just because you played these clubs and you built your following. And just let's talk about who they are for a second. It's you got Axel Rose, who's the vocalist, Izzy Stradlin, who in my opinion doesn't get enough credit for creativity and guiding the band early on. Uh, he's a guitarist, Duff McKagan, uh, bass player, Steven Adler, original drummer, and Saul Hudson better known as Anthony Kaffa, a.k.a. <laughs> Slash. And when, and when Guns N' Roses starts, he's only about 19 years old. Um, early on, a lot of these A&R guys thought this was just going to be another uh, garage band. You know, they were just going to kind of be grouped in, lumped in with this, with this whole L.A. scene, nothing special. Until this guy, Tom Zupak, came around. He was an A&R guy for Geffen Records. And he went to go see them one night at the Troubadour. And after the second song, he just said to one of his friends, these guys are going to be bigger than uh, Led Zeppelin. But let's see how the rest of the uh, set goes. Uh, Zupak uh, is also quoted as saying that uh, he was captivated by Axel. And if the rest of the band really wasn't that good, he was just going to sign Axel to uh, a solo deal. Um, but he winds up getting uh, a Geffen to give him a $75,000 advance. And back in those days, that's a lot of money uh, to sign the band. Um, and when it came time to 
put this album together. You know, getting the right producer and and doing this was you know was important. Like one of the people who they were considering was uh, David Bowie. And Bowie was kind of getting a little too flirty with Axel's girlfriend at the time, so he was out. Um, Wasn't he married? Who? He wasn't David Bowie. The, the, that's the story. Come on. He made. I don't know. Not in '87. I don't think he was married yeah. in '87. Really? All right. Yeah. Adam, do some checks um, on that. I think he was. Was yeah. he cheating on Amon? I don't like that. No. I mean, this is this is according to Axel. Okay. Okay. So then they also had considered uh, Paul Stanley, who Adler and the rest of the band, especially uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Slash, they loved, and it just didn't work out with them. So they wind up getting this guy, Mike Klink. And you may know Mike Klink from like a band that I always liked, uh, UFO. And UFO has that very gritty sound. There's no computer assistance, nothing artificial, everything done on a console. What they really wanted to do with Guns N' Roses and this album is they didn't want it overproduced. They wanted to capture a raw sound. And that's what they wound up doing. That's why Mike Klink winds up being like the perfect guy to produce the album. Um, you guys were both show, uh, holding up uh, the album covers, and there's a little controversy. That's uh, Adam has the original one. Yep. Yeah. There this we go. is a. This was like based on a painting by Roger Williams, and basically, this is Axel predicting the future. He's and it's the reason how they got the title "Appetite for Destruction." He believed in fake news. He said CNN uh, would feed off of this, and he said um, they feed off of uh, uh, people's appetites for destruction. And but the, but you know no one would cover this type of you know carry this type of album cover like the the, the targets and all those type of stores. So uh, Geffen made them go back, change the album cover to the one I think you have, Dustin, yes. which is you know the five skulls, which represent each member of the band, right? And that's that's the one that is more conventional. Anyway, so let's get to the tracks. Okay, uh, the label chose the first uh, single, and it was. It was out in the uh, UK and it was It's So Easy. You know, catchy, oh. easy song to come out with. Um, n- another thing about, okay, biggest selling album of all time, you know, uh, debut album of all time, right? This album almost didn't make it at all because in the first nine months, it, it didn't even sell 200,000 uh, copies. So they were on their way out. They were going to kind of like, you know, that was it for them. Uh, the way it works in the record business is, you know, you're, you get your advance, but you don't see any money until you pay back your expenses. So you could have all the limousines and you could bring in all the shit you want, but everything is being uh, accounted for. That's what I used to do when I worked for uh, Columbia. And you would keep track of all these expenditures. And if you're, you're not selling enough units, you're gonna get dropped right away. I, that happens to so many bands that almost happened to Guns N' Roses. Um, the single that breaks them, and it's a kind of interesting story, is Welcome to the Jungle, the second single, which... <laughs> All right, now play Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> you dick. You're the best he's a comedian. Anyway, MTV refuses to pay to play this 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 record. They pre- refuse to play uh, the the video. They don't want to play it. It's too it's too gritty. It's too you know it's not right for them at the time. Um, so Zupac, Tom Zupac, who is the A and R guy, goes to Geffen and goes, "Hey, look, man, you know I know you're good friends with Bob Pittman, who runs um, MTV." Uh, 
can you get them on rotation? Can you get them on? So what they do is they kind of compromise. MTV says, you know, we'll play them, but we'll pay, play them at four o'clock in the morning one time, see what happens. Everything changes. You know, pe- people go crazy for it. And, you know, uh, now it becomes on regular rotation and, you know, the song becomes, you know, what, what it becomes. And it was huge. for free too. They weren't paying them anything. It was just like, you know, right. any money on MTV. I think that was a thing too. I mean, the, the, the song after the video played winds up going to number seven on Billboard. Um, I think an interesting, another interesting thing about this song is Axel wrote the lyrics and the title of it comes from an encounter that Axel had in New York City at the bus terminal. Um, on 42nd Street when um, he's 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 there. I don't know if he's getting on the bus, getting off the bus. But anyway, he hears a homeless guy yelling at the people coming off the bus going, you know where you are? You're at the jungle, baby. You're going to die. <laughs> so he's hacked rem- a homeless guy. I love that. <laughs> and Axel remembered that. <laughs> he remembers that and puts that in the bridge, you know? So yeah. um, and also the riff that Anthony was playing, that is a riff uh, that uh, Slash would uh, play when he was like a teenager. You know, mm-hmm. so that that's how long that's been around. for. That's why Anthony could play that one. Yeah, that's <laughs> wait this one, that or the that one. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of them. One of those. Let's go with, now let's go with the only number one single on this album is uh, Sweet Child of Mine. It's the third single. Um, Axel wrote it about his... You're almost there. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Dude, Jeff can't play any of these songs. You just do you. If I knew what song that was, I'd play it. <laughs> oh, shut up. But this is, but Read your Wikipedia. Go ahead. <laughs> try to bring some life to this yeah, shit. Yeah, this exactly. Is, this is not Wikipedia. This is not This is, know what this is? This is, I don't know, I, I, I've read, like, the Axel book. I read the Slash book. I mean, you know, I, I love this stuff. Um but this is a song that Axel wrote for his girlfriend, who was uh, a model. It was Erin Everly, who was the daughter of one of the Everly brothers. Yeah. Oh. Um, and the, I, the, again, the intro that Anthony, you were playing before, that also comes from uh, an, uh, a guitar exercise that, uh, that that Slash would use to warm up in. You know, uh, it's kind of like- yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I like warm up with it all the time. I'm still cold. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it's almost like a circus medley, right? Wouldn't you say that? You know, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Duff and uh, Adler add the uh, rhythm section to it. And they're, tr- you know, when they were trying to come up with lyrics, you know, for like the breakdown, you know, right before the big ending, you know, you know, they're in the recording studio and they just keep it, you know, they just keep it going. You know, they just keep the tape going. And Axel is just, you know, going, um, um, yeah, he's just going, uh, uh, you know, you know, he's, he's going, where do we go now? We, you know, uh, you know, where do, where do we go from here? Where do we go now? And the producer said, Use those exact words. Yeah, that's the story I try to tell, and then you like we had that whole fight about it. Yeah. <laughs> Is that? that was the, Is story. That the story. That was the story I try to tell, and I let you and tell you. Yeah, okay, you can interrupt me on this one. Interrupt me. Go ahead. <laughs> I would deserve it. Um, 
Anthony, do you know this? Do you know the uh, the solo in this song at all? How to play I, it? No, absolutely okay. not. <laughs> well, the, the, I had to well, learn all this stuff for this episode. I don't know. But, yeah, <laughs> you've, yeah, you've heard, by the way. But you've heard it. But you've heard it a <laughs> yeah, couple yeah, of times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I grew up listening okay. to this album. That that solo slash said was inspired. But remember the Jerry Rafferty uh, sax song? Uh, um, oh, uh, Baker uh, Street. Baker Street. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. You can he- if you play those two songs back to back, you can hear the inspiration of that. And I went back and I I, I listened to that and Ooh. yeah, I, and you could definitely hear how Baker Street influences um, the guitar solo in Sweet Child of Mine. Um, oh. Probably the most rocking song, you know, you know, a big rocking song off this is the fourth single, Paradise City, um, which is basically written by the entire band when they were coming back. This is one of the early songs that they wrote too. Uh, when they were coming. <laughs> it's not like Barry Jim. Justin, you haven't taken any risk. You take no risk on this show. Dustin you just taking, criticize. Dustin take doing a little Barry Gibb falsetto there. Um, I even have all this reverb on his drums. Listen to that snare. You hear that reverb? That's right. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I'm trying to replicate Jeff's the production. A bully. You just do you, Anthony. You're good. <laughs> no, but th- that song was written from when they they all uh, chipped in, wrote it, and they were coming back from a gig in San Francisco, and they were back in the back of a van, and they write that. I think one of the things about this album is, you know, what there's um, when you talked about Motorhead before, and Anthony, that was a great point you made. No love songs by, by Motorhead or ACDC. Um, I don't think on this album, I, some people said. Um, Sweet Child of Mine is a ballad. I don't see it as a ballad. Um, but you know, they're not writing about fluff or bullshit either. Songs like My Michelle, Night Train, Mr. Yeah. Brownstone, these are like very dark uh songs, you know. Like- <laughs> That's my favorite, Brownstone. Is my favorite. That's about all I know how to play, from it. <laughs> but it all has the same like. <laughs> I say I have two guitars, you know? Yeah. Like, like even when you take a song like My Michelle, right? And you look at like some of the lyrics, it's just like how dark and dirty it was. Like daddy works in porno. Now that mommy's uh, not around, now she's underground, you know? Like there is no, nothing light about any of these songs. You know, Mr. Brownstone, you know, that's what that's about. Night Train, you know, it was important to what they were drinking, a dollar uh, 29 bottle. Tell the kids what it's about. Not everybody knows what that's about. Mr. Brownstone? Yeah, tell no, everybody. About shooting heroin. There you go. Right? This crowd so doesn't know that. I'm just saying, let everybody know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, Brownstone it's, is heroin, baby. Yeah. Like, so, you know, <laughs> these aren't light subject matters. And then the closing song was, it's like, is my favorite song on the album, is Rocket Queen. Um, and it's really a song that was written about kind of like a an in-studio affair between Axel and Stephen Adler's girlfriend, which Stephen wasn't like really too happy about and i think i think it's a it's an appropriate song to end the album because um just like the way the song you know is written it starts off as kind of like a gritty song and then uh ends with like a softer you know which really in my opinion catches you know catches the whole vibe of the album um, it the, it's real moaning right well, that was captured is what i yep. heard the yeah. real sex sound or something it, yeah yeah is it 
That's yeah, right. yeah, it's, yeah, it's Axel and his girlfriend, I and, think. and, and yeah. Steven's girlfriend, who he's fucking yeah. around with in in the studio. So it's um, a threesome. That's okay. <laughs> he records in the um, truth. I like it. I don't know about what you guys think, but I think this is really the last real dangerous album ever made. Where it is raw, it is you know the, the subject matter. About that, the way but I think it's the last thing good they ever made. <laughs> <laughs> it was like nothing after that. They just fell off. I I off was I was reading up a, a little bit about this uh, album, and apparently they wrote uh, November Rain at mm-hmm. the same time, but they didn't put it on the album because. Sweet Child of Mine was already kind of the ballad. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. Do you, th- do you think it's a ballad? Yeah. It's like it's a, a power ballad. It's a power it's a pa- ballad. It's a power yeah. ballad. Yeah, it's like a Cinderella power ballad. You know, it's got guitar. It's got a solo. But yeah, it's chicks love it. That's why it was number one. <laughs> when all dudes right. like something, it doesn't go number one. Ask yeah. Rush. And <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, Sheryl Crow covered it. So I think, yeah. you know, it's... <laughs> I think maybe it could, it could be a ballad. Yeah, it's. I mean, it is a love song. He's, you know, it's. Uh, and it's, it has a. It has a. The soft sound, sweet sound to it. Like it's. It's. It's melodic. It's not like, you know, it doesn't make it you. More, it's not like Night Train. You know, it doesn't have. It doesn't, it's. It's just. It doesn't get you up. It just. You know, Should I play nice. the riff again? Sure. Yeah. You had a week, guys. You had a week. I mean, it's not going to get better than that. That's, that's, <laughs> well, listen, it's better than what I can play. I like so. it. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I think it's a love song. I think that's it's, a, it. and there's nothing wrong with saying that. I just, you know, it's just. I mean, I guess the problem is, is they had such a hard image. And so the idea of saying they had a love song, I mean, November Brain's obviously a love song. I mean, are you fighting that too? <laughs> I think it's more of a love. See, I look at songs like Every Rose Has a Thorn, more of a love song. You know, um, <laughs> home, home Sweet Home, Motley yeah. Crue is more of a love song. I don't, I, I, I see um, Sweet Child of Mine more as, as a, as a hard rock pop song. I don't see it as a, as a ballad. I don't know. Like ballad, I don't think it's a difference really. Power ballad, pop rock. I mean, it's like, I think they would rather you say power ballad than pop rock. Yeah. Well, I, that, that's what I think it is. I don't, I don't, but like, they again, call I it a ballad. Did they? Isn't that what you just said, Anthony? They said they called it, a, they said the sweet child was the ballad. I think so. Yeah. Uh-oh, we're going to forget. We're going to get a check on that. <laughs> Adam, what do you think of the album? How did it change your life? Appetite. Oh, I mean, this definitely this was a game changer. I, I was uh I think I was around 10 or 11 when this came out and uh I was listening at that point I was listening to to more pop, more hair metal and there was, you know, this um kind of in a lot of hair metal there's still like that inherent hokiness in a lot of the lyrics and this came along and this is just so seedy and so and like just it's so dangerous and it yeah. just absolutely blew me away yeah it was great i remember seeing that video um at four in the morning at you know uh welcome to the jungle and it's like who's this freak <laughs> <laughs> and he's just got his teased out hair and he just walk in the street this strut yeah i i think he's one of i don't know if he's the last dangerous it's the last dangerous album but it's definitely i would say one of the last dangerous, you know, bands? before, no, 
let me talk before <laughs> before grunge and then grunge took it over far as dangerous but i think before grunge it's the last dangerous album before grunge i think far as like that era of metal that era of of hair pop metal for sure i mean yeah. i think they're and i think they go beyond pop metal i think they go beyond hair metal they're not they're way better than poison and stuff but it's, i wouldn't say they're 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 hair metal at all no, I I mean, they tried a little. I mean, I think that Welcome to the Jungle, that, their first image was kind of teased out hair and all that. And then I, I feel like the label make them do that. Of course. And that's what yeah. ruined but, Twisted Sister. I mean, they yeah. do that all the time. They, you know, they make them do things for the image. But I think they have a little bit of that in them. You could tell by the, the work after felt like it was mm-hmm. kind of more poppy or whatever. Yeah. You know, one of the things that they looked at Axl Rose as because of his his moves on stage, he was compared a lot to Jim Morrison. You could, oh. you, know, you, you can kind of see that a lot. That, that's that's why the that's why the Zupac uh, thought. How oh. do you hate the Doors so much when they've influenced so many bands that you love? Because they don't have a bass player. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of a bass player, they have a, an organ player. I, like I don't that. like. It. I don't like an organ. <laughs> I love player. that weird shit. Yeah, no, I don't like that. Yeah, but they've inspired so many bands that you love. Yeah, it's I don't like, like it. you know, everybody, Led Zeppelin, and it's not for me. You know, it's, all these bands. It's interesting that he was that Axel was compared to uh, Jim Morrison because he's really taking all the moves from, uh, um, what's his name from the Monkees, Davy Jones. Davy Jones from yeah. the Monkees. You know what? I, I could see that. Yeah, he the, had those the, moves. that move. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's that, a Davy that Jones snake-like move. move. Yeah. Snake move. Yeah, I think he even said it. I'm pretty sure I've seen him talk about it in interviews. That's yeah, a, he's a great thing. front man. It's like I feel like he uh, and I love this album and I love this band during this album and I saw them live and not a great live band, but you know I think it's just because uh, you know vocally it's difficult to do that all the time. You know, and I think that's a problem. Axel live, he I think he cracked after five songs and uh, Slash <laughs> has to work his ass off when they play live because yeah. he can't sing like that well, all the time. I mean, no. it's crazy. Well, I, I, when uh, the stuff that I was looking up about the album, it was saying that he uh, Axel recorded uh, his vocals one line at a time. So even in the studio, he wasn't doing yeah. the full song. He was just focusing yeah. on each line. So, so there were there were two people I saw live and they were really bad live, Axel Rose and Sinead O'Connor, because it's like there's so much, you know, kind of stress on their voices that, you know, you just can't do that all the time. It's impossible. And yeah. so Axel, you know, I mean, this the way they captured him on this album is phenomenal. And I just love I can't and I hate that. I hate the fact that when Sweet Child of Mine comes on that I can't turn it off because, my God, I've heard this song uh, uh, probably more than any song in my life. This song seems to always be on. It always comes on. It's Every rock station plays it, and now it's, you know, it's starting to ease its way into grocery stores. But it's like, it's just... They played at weddings. Well, of course. It's just a song. Yeah. It's you know, played. another thing in recording this album is that the the, the band, like they 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 had that, that problem. They, it's well known they had substance problems and they they were all put in like a, a, a house um, and that the producer had the studio uh, on on notification at any time, you know, that they had a room ready for them. And so they can call them at, at a moment's notice. They would call Bob Clink at a moment's notice. And if everyone was ready, they they put him in the studio. Um, 
just to catch him because you didn't know who was going to be like who was going to be high who was going to be strung out i mean they, they, there was so many like internal problems you know personal problems in, in getting the band together just to record the album yeah uh, yep. yeah it's you know i think the problem with this band and and, and i say it in the most you know I, they got too big and I feel that's why November Rain uh, is presented the way it is with the tucks and the pianos and stuff. They, they really just did stuff that uh, I wish they had stayed a little less successful than like, like, you know, <laughs> I think they would have been a better band. I think, I think they would, you know, I don't think I think it would have like Motorhead even like it's like mm-hmm. the, Motorhead never popped like, you know, and I hate to keep bringing them up all the time. But it's like, you know, but bands that just kind of keep their core sound. And just, you know, core audience. But I think this band, you know, they became such celebrities. And whenever all that happens, Aerosmith, same way. Their early stuff is so much better than their their 70s stuff is way better than their 80s stuff. Oh, yeah. So it's like, you know, it's just one of those things that happen, you know. And who's to say, I mean, we all want that kind of success and money and stuff. But I think it's like, uh, I just could not get into this band. (laughs) (laughs) I just could not get into this band after this album. And I tried everything I could, and I do like the Guns N' Roses Lies album because it's kind of kind of quirky and stuff. But you know, I just I just could not find myself getting into this band after this album. I feel like it just, you know, it just this was this was their masterpiece, and I feel like they weren't able to kind of really. Anthony, how did you like? Were you in high school or junior high when this album came out? You're pretty young. When it came out, I was three years old. Okay, Uh, (laughs) and so. I, I was gonna I was gonna bring this up because so my my uncle played all this kind of you know Guns N' Roses and all the hair bands and ACDC and Aerosmith and Cheap Trick and all that kind of stuff um, and so the first time I heard this album was probably it must ninety two ninety three maybe uh, he was playing the record and you know it wasn't really an old album at that point it was only five years old six years old. But Nirvana had already broke. And right. so even hearing it five years later, to me, it sounded like, I mean, it was, that was over, you know? So I, I like this album a lot, but I never heard it as sounding fresh and new. It always sounded like, to me, there, there was no difference between this and like, I don't know, the first Aerosmith album, which probably came out, what, 15 years earlier or something like that? Like t- to me, it was all the same. Yeah, it was they. They were just one of those bands, your, well, your dad's band or whatever. Yeah, well, for me, it was high school, and it was um, we were all into the Cure, we were all into Depeche Mode, we were all into the Sex Pistols, we were all into everything that was you know kind of that side. And then we we all made fun of Motley Crue, we all made fun of Poison, we all made fun of that. And then this band was kind of like okay they're like they're cooler than that like they're they're the next you know the music is grittier than that yeah it's you know and it's like it's a little more punk rock than you know something that you know motley crew would play or something so it felt and it felt more advanced it's like musically it just you know it seemed like something else that was happening and not just like trying to get a hit video and make money like you could tell it was it was that's a good that's a good um that's a good point you brought up about them being more punk rock. And a lot of that uh, credit goes to Duff and Steven, you know, one, the way they presented themselves and two, you know, the rhythm that they would put on songs like, um, um, like Mr. Brownstone and, uh, and, and my Michelle, you know, which probably has a little bit more. Yeah, of a punk rock my, my brother, 
my brothers saw them open up for Lords of the New Church. So when they were when they were you know coming up, they were opening for a lot of punk bands. Yeah, and at least you know Dallas and places like you know where I was living. So it's you know I think their start was before they you know went with Geffen or whatever. I think that's that was kind of their club circuit was kind of those kind of clubs. Lords of the New Church do an amazing version of "Can't Find My Way Home," the old Canteen song. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, it's a great, great version of that. Yeah, Check that's it out. a band you don't hear a lot of. No. <laughs> <laughs> nobody's, nobody's like, hey, I got that new Lords of the New Church album. <laughs> what they Cool stick name, though. I think it's albums. a cool name. I also think, let's talk about branding, too. I mean, because unfortunately, you got to talk about it. Probably top five coolest uh, band names of all time um, is Guns really not Guns yeah. N' Roses. You're not going to... You know, there's a reason why they're so successful, you know, and I think it's just a really a name that you, you know, it's so easy. You could tell exactly what they are by the name. Uh, the logo's cool. You know, yeah. it's just great. the whole thing just works as a package. And it's I think that's great. why they blew up and they went to, to freaking the moon because it was just it was it was all kind of there. And it was it was perfect for MTV because MTV was getting stale and then this stuff like this kind of popped it open. And then, you know, of course, after this, it was the Nirvana stuff. But and I also think it's interesting, too, whereas, you know, what Anthony was saying, it's, uh, you know, there was a lot of problems between grunge and bands like this. I mean, I, literally, I think Axel and uh, uh, Kurt Cobain, they had uh, they had words a lot. And, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, there's a what's dated about this about this band. You know, it's so funny. What's so funny to me. Is that Axel was considered this homophobic, racist asshole, and now he's probably the most left liberal you'll ever, <laughs> you'll ever see. <laughs> where he got onto Trump, like for playing his songs at the rallies, like he's always like you know vote blue. Like it's so funny the evolution of his politics because he was such a you know like you know immigrants and and saying you know f bombs about gay people and stuff and then now he's just like you know this kind of left wing liberal activist guy on t- twitter he just tears apart like democrats <laughs> uh, republicans all the time so funny in the in the 90s he kind of softened that a little bit when uh at the queen tribute concert because he wound up doing a duet with Elton John Mm. And that that was oh, considered right. a big that's considered a big thing. It was probably because, after, know, yeah, probably after his problems with uh, Kurt Cobain. Well, yeah, so this would have been in '93. Yeah, mm. right. Have you heard those tapes of them fighting at the yes. uh, video music? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Courtney and, and Courtney Love jumps in, and you're just like, "Oh no, here we go!" I'm this is at been... the MTV Music Awards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Courtney Love the... starting shit. You're like, "Ah, oh, come on, man!" By the trailers. I, I, yeah, I've been oh. in that position where the woman's like starting shit. You're like, "Come on, dude, stop!" <laughs> so really, I got to fight because uh... of you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think, in the, and that's an interesting time in music where it was just like because what what Motley Crue and Poison and bands like that were. You know, then Guns N' Roses comes along and they're further, you know, than those people. And then this grunge scene comes along and then it's further than what Guns N' Roses is, you know. And so I feel like it's this kind of this thing that kind of happened, a big, a big chunk that happened in music. That's really interesting, actually. This yeah, happened quick. Yeah, when, yeah, well, this yeah, you're right. When grunge came along, I mean, bands like... Um, like Poison, like Twisted Sister, like Motley Crue, went from playing 18,000-seat arenas to two, 3,000-seat arenas. Yeah. Bands that really weren't affected by <sighs> them. Things. Yeah, were things. <laughs> yeah. 
where you're Metallica <laughs> here and, Guns, and Guns N' Roses. <laughs> you know, they were the, they were the heavy metal bands that, or, or the hard rock bands that were able to sustain it. But like all like the, you know, bands like Tesla and I mean, Quiet Riot was a headliner at Madison Square Garden wow. and they went to playing clubs. I mean, clubs, yeah. you know, it's you know, in, 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 a, in a matter of six months, you know, uh, the, all these bands wound up getting dropped by their record labels. And then you started to see like, you know, you, you started to see like Pearl Jam and and you know, what's the group with uh, Chris Cornell, you know, Soundgarden, Soundgarden and and Alice in Chains and and, you know, all those bands. You know, uh, just start to emerge that whole grunge scene, and that took over the you know the majority of the nineties. Yeah, and then everybody you know became a cutter, and you know got <laughs> suicidal, and, and it's like it, they took the fun out of music. And as it, it's like that's one good thing I'll say about this metal music stuff. Actually, before even before Guns and Roses, it was something great about music kind of being a good time. And then music got darker. The Guns N' Roses went dark. And then after that, it was, you know, the grunge thing was just so like, you know, so dark and dismal and whatever. And that's why, like, you know, you guys you know, hooked me on to the struts. It's like they keep it fun. And I think hopefully musical, you know, we need fun music again. So there is something to be said about that kind of David Lee Roth energy where it's just like, you know, it's kind of nice to not be broody when you listen to music and have something that's, you know, what's, what's so bad about songs about getting laid and getting drunk and having a good time, you know? So it's like, it's, it's just funny how, you know, I think grunge ran its course too, because it's like, you know, people are just like, okay, enough already. And then I feel like, you know, that's when it went more pop again. Music went, you know, that's when it started coming more Beyonce and, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Boy bands and stuff yeah, like and that. And just started and kind of going up. And then it was new up. metal. Uh, it was like the, that was the rock music that replaced grunge, I guess. Yeah. Such as what kind of bands? Oh, like Corn, Limp Bizkit, oh, yeah, yeah, Deftones, yeah. I guess There's... Slipknot, uh, that kind of stuff. Pantera. Yeah, I think. Yeah, like that, but I would put Pantera. I would put Pantera around GNR a little later than GNR, but it's definitely in that in that time zone. You know, not. I mean, they were they were coming up, right? And then I think late they 80s. were. Yeah, yeah, they I were coming so. up late. Cowboy from Hell. I mean, when is that? That's that's got. That's that it. can't be too late in the nineties. No, no, not at all. But um, I think I think that's a, that's a little different music scene. That I put them more like that more in the uh, Metallica realm than that. I Metallica, would never put them in speed metal. Yeah, skate yeah, rock. yeah, yeah, yeah that speed kind of metal, thrash. Yeah, kind yeah. Of yeah stuff. I would so never put them in with like the Motley Crues and the no, Twisted no, 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 no. But I'm just uh, more. I'm just saying with Guns N' Roses, just with the era, the time zone. When I say time zone, I mean like just the music of that time. I'm not saying it's the same genre. It's just more like that. That music was happening when this music was happening. That's all I meant. But I think grunge really took the, you know, I know it took the, uh, the it really took every, the sail, the wind out of the sails of, of that whole, you know, heavy metal scene, you know, that whole, but a lot of people metal didn't scene. jump on, you know, it's like a lot of people I didn't jump on until later. Like, cause I'd missed it. Cause I was in South America and then I came back and everybody was talking about this band called Nirvana and I was just like, ah, oh, they kind of like sound like a fast Sabbath to me. I'm not that <laughs> impressed. And then I just, you know, it just, it didn't, I didn't catch on to it at all. And then it was like later on, I kind of got into it and I could see why it was good or whatever. But, uh, but then, then some people, you know, stayed with their, like you said, you know, Guns N' Roses was still selling out ACDC. Those kind of bands were still big. But you, but you also, if you remember, 
Um, you know, I know you're going to feel bad about this, Anthony, but do you remember uh, in order for them to sell out stadiums, they had to like uh, team up. So you remember, you remember the big Metallica Guns N' Roses tour? Oh, yeah. Well, and, I mean, I, I remember seeing stuff about it later. I don't well, really remember at the time. Well, it's notorious <laughs> because. Because you know, you know, Guns N' Roses pissed off Metallica to no end. Metallica would open up the show, Guns N' Roses would close, and there would be a three-hour gap between Metallica and Guns and Gun, Metallica would just blow uh, Guns N' Roses off the stage every night. And then, and then, so they were a good live band. Metallica great. is great, yeah, great live, yeah. really great. I you saw know? them a couple of times at Madison Square Garden. That was my first concert. It was the Load Tour. Yeah, ninety six. Some three years ago, of... front row at uh, you know Giant Stadium. It was oh, just nice. like phenomenal. I caught a pick and everything. Like I had the whole experience. You caught a pick? Yeah. <laughs> nice. You were close. I wasn't as close as you. Front row. We got there. we were like seven hours waiting to get in. Damn. Like, and they let us just run to the front. It was that kind of thing. It was festival got seating. Huh? It's yeah. called festival seating. Yeah. yeah. We just like ran wow. to the front. It was fantastic. Like, like yeah, we were you, fucking you, high schoolers. It was fantastic. They outlawed that in New York now, New York and New Jersey. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I worked, I worked production on those shows. Those were oh, okay. nightmares. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody who had tickets would run down onto the floor. The floor would be too crowded. They'd be fine. You couldn't do it. Oh, it was brutal. Yeah. I mean, a football stadium, I guess it's, you know, there's definitely more room for that, but you know, I can't imagine in a smaller space. Cool, man. All right. We got to get to our next album. We run out of time here because it's Guns N' Roses and you could talk all day about Guns oh, N' yeah. Roses. Yes. <laughs> it's just one of those bands. And this album is definitely one of those albums. So we love it. If you guys have any questions uh, you want to throw in, I don't know if there's anybody listening. Oh, yeah. Love yeah. There's, there's some questions here. There's yeah, some oh, comments. Yeah, uh, questions. Let's hear it. Does anyone our... want to hear me play the Sweet Child of Mine riff again? Is that <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. We got uh, one of our viewers is asking. How <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. So we got one of our. <laughs> My singing, huh? <laughs> Oh no! I just lost this one. All right. Oh my God! All that buildup. I know. Oh, okay, okay, four here we minutes go. left. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, one of the viewers wants to know how many times did, uh, how many times did you watch Behind the Music this week to get ready? <laughs> Behind the Music? <laughs> Sounds like a fake question. <laughs> Who wrote that? Justin Jason? <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of like Behind the Music, but we're not affiliated in any way whatsoever. We could yeah. be making all this shit up. <laughs> We are. We're making half of it up. We don't know what we're talking about. All right. If there's no more questions, let's go into Adam. Bring us into this last album. All right. So we were talking about uh, fun music. And uh, this is the uh, the second album this year by uh, this is the 15th studio album by this band. It's uh, Weezer, Van Weezer. And uh, yeah, this is uh, Weezer's O2 uh, 70s, 80s hard rock and uh, hair metal. And um you know, I went into this with uh, pretty low expectations because Weezer's been very, very hit or miss in the last decade. Mostly but, um, miss. Decade. Mostly miss. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting for 20 years for something as good as, good as Pinkerton. <laughs> yeah, it was either Pinkerton or, well, they have the Pinkerton shirt on, but Pinkerton or uh, Green Album is their last really good album. Um, yeah. I, and that's even being generous. So right, I, I'm right. willing to give them Green Album, but. That's yeah. Those first three, and then after that, they could have stopped. You didn't like right. the covers albums. 
the cover album. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, they, they, I couldn't even Africa, listen to the Aha no. song. I tried to listen to it just just for fun. I loved <laughs> just it. This is a goof. <laughs> I couldn't get through it. Mm. Terrible. It's like the, they're doing karaoke. Well, here's here's the problem with this band. For me, is um, I probably I think I went in thinking they're better than they are because my first exposure to them was Pinkerton. <laughs> so, because so, I feel like that's, to me, I mean, that's kind of their appetite, you know? Like, I try to do the other stuff. A <laughs> Scorcho. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, yeah, so I think, um, yeah, uh, go ahead, Adam. Do you have more stuff about this album that you wanted to? Where I, oh, I mean, I was, I was just gonna—I was gonna say that. Uh, I mean, I, I went in with really low expectations for this album, and I—I was—I uh, was pleasantly surprised by it. I thought it was a fun album. I, I thought it was actually probably their best front-to-back album, maybe since Green Album, the Green Album. And um, I, I just—you know—it's—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's Weezer. The this album, and there's—I uh, I feel like there's there's a little bit of the Blue Album, there's a little bit of Pinkerton, there's a little bit of the Green Album in there. And uh, it's, a, it's an album about nostalgia. It, it kind of reminded me a lot of um, the Foo Fighters' Medicine at Midnight, where, you know, they, they didn't change their formula at all. They're, they just, you know, they, they, they played what they were best at. And it, it, it's a fun, just ultimately, it's a fun album, and it's a, especially for this time. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I feel like it's, uh, yeah, it's an ode to this kind of this music we were just talking about, you yeah. know, with the poison and Guns N' Roses and Van Halen and all that stuff. And obviously, you know, they took riffs from a lot of the the songs and stuff. And, you know, and I think it's cool. I mean, Anthony and I were talking a little bit about it before, and I don't think he enjoyed that, uh, you know, as much. And uh with crazy train and stuff like that but i feel like you know rappers do it all the time and nobody cares oh, yeah so yeah, why can't rock true. bands do that too you know where they just that's take a little true. piece of a song and kind of reinvent it and make it the, theirs and fun because it's not like they were doing it and not giving ode to the you know to the music yeah. itself. the album there, covers basically lightning from metallica right. and then yeah, the yeah, band yeah. is obviously van halen so you know they're, they're giving it up they're not being like hey this is our new sound well yeah. that's uh yeah. <laughs> well the, the song all the good ones they just took beverly hills and just redid it so they took their own <laughs> song and they took in there, there's a little bit of all scorcho in there too it's yeah. a great song it is yeah and i think this album is their second best album oh my god second really? best I, what i do i think it's their second best I think out of Pinkerton's all of them a, yeah i think i think pinkerton's at first i think this album was great i think hero i don't know how that song's not on the ra- regular radio airplay right now i think that's i think that's an amazing I, that's song. a song i kept playing over and over again i loved hero mm. um i like blue dream i liked a mm-hmm. lot of these songs there wasn't anything that i sat there and said you know what this is shit i don't like it you think this you is know, better than their first album <laughs> top to bottom mm. yes and no, listening to every song yeah. It's not even better than the Green Album. It's, it's not better even than better than, than Maladroit. <laughs> it's, it's, see, I think the Green Album has Island in the Sun, which is a great song, catchy. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the, the Blue Album has the Sweater Song and Buddy Holly, which are great singles. But, you know, I think when you listen from top to bottom, there's not a clunker on this album for me. I love it. I think, I think this is a great album. I think top to bottom, this is, you know, 
it, it sets out what it's going to do. They're they're inspired by these bands. You know, they do uh, borrow some riffs from these these bands, which I'm totally fine with because I'm completely transparent about them. But mm-hmm. you know, it's it's perfect Weezer uh, formula: short songs, catchy, great hooks. You know, and and interesting lyrics. I I love it. I think it's a great mm-hmm. album. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I I don't think I would put it in the the g category is great because i feel like it's a throwaway album for them i feel like a lot of artists right now too are just trying to get content out so i feel like it's one of those concept albums for them Hmm. and like i said i'm not you know i'm not a weezerologist like you guys and so (laughs) (laughs) weezer was a band we made fun of because we were getting laid so but i you know i was not i was listening to weezer you were listening to weezer you were listening to pinkerton pinkerton changed my life I think it is, is, is a masterpiece. I think it's a yeah. No, that is a good album. I love it. It's my girl loves it too. It's like it's you know, and I play it. You know, I, I and I I just you know, this is a good band, and I feel like their first album, which I've visited, you know, got, got introduced to, and you could you could see some of that kind of poppiness coming through this. But I enjoy a band. I enjoy a band that that does crazy stuff because a lot of my artists do crazy stuff. You know, Willie Nelson did a reggae album. You know, uh, Garth Brooks. <laughs> That's great. Tried to be like a, you know, I'm kind of a, an icon grunge guy. Like, you know, I love it when people do crazy shit and they just kind of like, you know, as long Taking as, risks. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I was wondering when it first came out, like they were just going to do like a cover thing. And then that felt a little cheap. But the fact that they, you know, really did their own songs 100%. through that genre, you know, that, I think that's that takes it to another level because I was 100%. like, okay. Yeah, I because I was afraid that's that's all this was, but it was way more than that. So it was good because I didn't need Pat Boone, you know, singing Metallica. That's, <laughs> so I thought that's what was happening. But it was, you know, it was good. It was good. I, I listened to it with the windows rolled down. It's a good. It's an upbeat. It's yep. an upbeat album. It's fun. I'm, you know, I'm just what you said. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, I thought the same thing. I thought it was going to be a covers album, and you know, and I'm so glad that it wasn't. You know, yeah. so they put out and new Hero's con- a great song. You're right. It's a good song. You know, it's a, it's definitely a solid radio song. Like if, if like if it was 1985 again, that's that's would be, you know. And, and radio was relevant. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would be a hit. <laughs> right. But that's the thing. People it's like to FM radio. You know, yeah. Yeah. But, but they came out of the gate trying to kind of be this radio sound. And so and then, you know, I don't know. The only time I have a problem with this band is when I hear about how, you know, they rejected Pinkerton because everybody else did. And then when everybody else loved it, then they said, oh, yeah, this is what we meant to do. You're like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing I hate about this band. It's like you should have just fucking owned it, bro. (laughs) Remember when we did we did Pinkerton. I know. uh, On 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 uh, our second third one. I remember we said when this album came out. This was rejected. This the year it came out. This that's, this album was considered one of the worst albums of the year. Six years later, it's on Rolling Stone's 100 top albums of all time. What are you gonna do? You gotta own it. Very uh, cool. So yeah, so check this album out. It's a lot of fun. And uh, I think we have a minute, Adam. Do you get anything? The new stuff. Yeah, we got um. So the big ones this week, we got the new Saint Vincent, Daddy's Home. Uh, it's the sixth mm. album from Annie Clark. Um, we got. The Black Keys, Delta Cream, which is their 10th studio album. It's, they're covering um, Mississippi Hill Country Blues Standards, uh, 11 of them. So it should be pretty interesting. Uh, we got a new one from Eminem, Music to be Murdered by, Side B, 16 yeah, new tracks. And um, since they just got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, there's a reissue, The Go-Go's, God Bless the Go-Go's, 13-track uh, album from 2001. 
Nice. Okay, before we go, uh, Jeff, what, who, what's the list for uh, Hall of Fame? Uh, okay, you you want me to leave You're on quick. A, uh, getting a uh, heart attack? Okay. Um, <laughs> while you're uh, while you're looking for it. Okay, so no, I got it. I got it right here. <laughs> Please, <Andy. laughs> I'm about to read this list. I can't take it anymore. It's been a bad day. Okay, so who gets in this year? Foo Fighters get in. The Go Go's get in. Fucking Jay Z, really? Uh, Are Carol you kidding Kane, me? No, I'm not. He's a genius. Get we'll, out of we'll, here. Uh, All right. Anyway, go ahead, you racist. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, Todd Rudgren, Tina Turner. Okay. Musical Excellence Award, LL Cool J, Billy Preston. Long overdue for Billy Preston, in my opinion. And LL and, cool Rand, and uh, Randy Rhodes. Um, early Influence Awards, all bands I hate. Um, Kraftwerk, Gil Scott Heron, and Charlie Patton. Once again, a travesty. A travesty. Pat Benetton not in. And Iron Maiden didn't make it in. Fuck the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, guys, I hate right. everyone. First of all, I love craft work. That's some funky music. All yeah, right, everybody. There you thank, are. You. Much, thank you for listening to the show and watching the show. Keep playing, Anthony. That's good. We'll play us out. Bye, and, guys. Uh, hit our Facebook and our Instagram, Dustin's Vinyl. All right, everybody. Keep buying vinyl records. Go to support record stores. Yay. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing <laughs> works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now.